Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur's Roundtable, the podcast. I guess it'd just be podcast, not the, I don't know, whatever. Anyways, today's going to be a great episode. I have a good friend of mine, Nick Barry. Nick Barry has an interesting story because he is both an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. So as you'll find out um, in the actual podcast, he has had several businesses of his own, but is currently working as an entrepreneur. And uh, what's an entrepreneur? Well, quick definition, an entrepreneur is basically someone who is like an entrepreneur, but works inside a company to bring innovation and whatnot. So he got brought in because of some of his business stuff he had been doing, and um, and he got brought in to kind of lead a uh, the sales division, and he's doing an awesome job. So we're going to jump into this conversation with my good buddy, Nick Berry, and hear what he has to say. That was a really awkward long pause. Let's cut to Nick. All right, man. Well, um, I mean, I guess let's start off with a little bit of background on you and kind of your whatever you feel like you want to tell of your journey and then kind of leading up to where you are now. And we'll jump into kind of what you, you, you've been into. Okay. Well, you know, my entrepreneur journey has been going on since my early 20s. Um, even when I was active duty Air Force, I had an, a very entrepreneurial spirit. Entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I launched my first startup, sold it within a year, took some cash and ran. Um, it was, and it was all it was was a, a commercial real estate portal, and it was one of the first ones on the net. This was back in 2000, so right at the dot com mm. height. Um, took that money from a real estate developer and ran. Um, put that money away and and just kind of went about my life. Um, and then, you know, going through my, you know, standard sales career and, and just decided, you know, I wanted to do something. I, you know, there was more to selling more to my life than selling agricultural test equipment. So, um, I started looking around and a friend of mine reached out and, and said, Hey, you know, what's this, you know, you always talk about sending thing, uh, handwritten cards to your customers, you know, we, what do you do with that? And I said, you know, everybody who gets a buys from me gets a handwritten card. It's been since my first sales job. Um, so he said, well, would you want to do that for me? And I was like, I, I guess, I mean, what do you want to pay me? <laughs> so we hacked out what hashed out what it would cost, you know, for him to, to send me as customers, what's he, what he wanted to send. And then, you know, when we want to send it and, you know, my first real business kicked off, um, where I had active customers and everything else. And it was going really well. I went through a pretty crappy period in, in 2015, um, my dad got lung cancer. I actually, that cushy sales job I had selling ag equipment, I got pushed out of the company. Mm. And I went through a divorce all within a few months of each other. And I realized I did not want to be running a business and going through all that at the same time and kind of shut it down. Um, went to my went back to my fallback career of, of IT um, and then realized that was the handwritten card business was still something really cool. So I started pursuing again, then realized that at that point in my life, I still didn't want to be the boss. So I mean, I was looking for another job and, uh, this company that everybody talked about every time, anytime in Des Moines, I would talk about, um, handwritten cards to anybody. They'd be like, Oh, well like rocket referrals. I'm like, no, they're like a software and tech company <laughs> with handwritten, with this handwriting technology. And I, and so I knew about them mm-hmm. and they were looking for a sales coordinator. I'm like, that falls, you know, I didn't want to be on the ground sales anymore, a pretty late stage in my sales career. I didn't want to be that that person, but they were looking for somebody to kind of 
make sure that you know they had there was a dedicated process and all these other things and that's the the follow-up was happening with their salespeople and things weren't falling to the crack i was like that's exactly what i'd love to do and so i came on board with rocker referrals um just over a year ago now and it's been really exciting the last year i came in um i'm technically number nine in the company oh, nice. um we've tripled we're um as of uh february 4th we'll actually have tripled in size in the last year so we're going to be in the 30 plus category this later this year or in a month um and then i've actually moved into a marketing role um kind of leading our marketing team and building our marketing team now in the company okay cool cool and i know where like our paths kind of intersected was when you i think were still at the the agricultural company and you had been doing yep. the handwritten stuff now yep I have what may be a false memory or maybe someone else. I want you to clarify this for me. Was our first, like, did we jump on a phone call, like, before we knew each other? Like, a quick little phone call after an internet debate? Was that you? I, I want to say it was no, you. No? No, I don't think so. Okay, because I remember huh. right at the same time that I met you, there was this guy, and I swear it was you. And that's why I was like, I got to clarify this with him. And the timeline matches up, and, and the personality of the guy matches up for the most part. And again, this is, year, this is like, three, like four or five years ago, so it's hard to remember. Mm -hmm. And essentially, like, I jumped in the tail end of it, but it was, there was like this argument in like a Facebook group or whatever. And it was like if this guy, which I thought was you, versus a couple other people, they're kind of arguing back and forth. And I remember... Like, I don't remember what caused it, but I, I, for however reason, I was like, well, let's jump on a phone call type thing. And um, we, like, right away, like, we got on the call and we had a quick conversation. And it was about the handwritten stuff, the handwritten notes. And then, like, a month or two later is when you joined the Entrepreneur's Roundtable. I thought oh, that yeah. was you, but that wasn't you? Maybe it was. I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty I've sure been known it was. To, I've been known to get into argument <laughs> <laughs> with people but on the internet i so. remember being like so impressed with you because because i came in this like the argument was mostly over I, I came into the end of it so like i wasn't really part of the like the the debate back and forth but um mm. i i remember like kind of pushing back on something you said and i i challenged you like we'll just jump on the phone or whatever and it, it wasn't even like a, we weren't debating i just i was like well so what do you mean you kind of explained it to whatever i remember being so impressed because like i first thought like you know, generally when you see like a bunch of people all saying, and then one person's like, no, you're all wrong. Like they're kind of trolling type thing. And when you actually like call, like uh, you gave me your number, I called you, we talked for a few minutes and I was like, oh, I'm really impressed with that guy. He actually like, he, he had no clue what I was going to say when we got on the phone. <laughs> and it was literally a couple months after that, that someone added you to the group. And it could have been, and I, it, you know, I it, was thought that was you. In, it was probably in, um, the, AppSumo group. It was probably in it probably. Um, Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur because that yeah. was, yeah, it probably was because I was at that time, I was very heavily invested in arguing with people on Facebook, on the internet. <laughs> well, it makes sense <laughs> with what you said with everything you were going through around that time. So, yeah. Um, oh, that's cool because I, okay, so yeah, I, and I remember you came in with your, your, your handwritten um, business. You, you stopped it. You, I remember you started it again. And this is yeah. around the time when people were sending, they were starting million, like these really successful companies where they were sending dumb stuff, glitter, um, yep. potatoes, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I remember it was like, yours was actually useful and people were like, Hey, this is cool like those, but it actually does something. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and like even at Rock Our Pros, we use cards as part of our marketing process. I mean, it's it's got a specific strategy to not just with our existing customers, but to our leads too. Mm-hmm. So it, it does that handwriting definitely has a, a you know an impact. No, that's super cool. It, it, I love how like your job set you up for it, or the, what you were doing on the side, because um, I mentioned before before the the actual podcast part when we were talking, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Gideon Walker, he called me last night, and we were kind of catching up a little bit, and we're talking about some different like success stories in the group, and he mentioned and like oh, and then, you know how Nick went off and got this awesome job and is killing over there. I was like, yeah, if you think about it. It was almost like an acquisition in the fact of like, it was like, I don't know, it technically wasn't, but it was almost, it kind of seemed that way where you were like the small guy killing it. And they were like, well, let's just hire this guy and bring him on to do what he's already doing. But like, we'll make money off of it and like, we'll give him a job. Yeah. So yeah, that was really cool that, how that worked out. I got, I, got, I got to get rid of stop doing the actual hard work and got to do the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. And it seems yep. like things have uh, taken off from you from there. So that's cool. So yeah. You, you were telling me that you, you've kind of been on this kick of um, marketing like a human. Is that what you, that's what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, you know, there's, I mean, and I, I don't want people to get that phrase wrong. Automation has its place in marketing, but what people are doing and saying isn't personal. It doesn't mm. matter. I mean, it, if you approach marketing as a data point, you're going to miss the boat. And that's where I'm kind of like, we got to start marketing businesses on a personal level instead of trying to do mass scale things that scale in marketing, mm-hmm. do things that don't scale in marketing, send personal videos to people, to your leads. You know, even if somebody has shown there hasn't shown that they're a marketing qualified lead, they still deserve the, the same quality of respect. <laughs> um, from the beginning of the relationship all the way through the, through the end of the relationship or the mm. point to where they become a customer. And that's where I think a lot of marketing, a lot of companies just fall through the cracks because they're not doing that. Yeah. No, that that's totally true. Like I know when I first got started, I kind of fell into the, the trap of, you know, automation and this and that and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff um, and got into like what was trendy and all that. And so this time around with um, starting out with my photography business, I've really slowed it down and taken the time to like build my process, not, oh, I did this webinar or I read this book and this is the sales sequence that they said is popular now, but I have taken the time and I actually looked through, I've spent like the last year just actually running the business all by hand. And then waiting until I was getting overwhelmed in an area. And then I've now, after about a year, I've created the process. And it's literally all based on, this is how I'm interacting with my customers. How can I just make this a little more automated and a little easier so I'm not, like, taking, you know, four days to get back to them because I've got too many too many contacts to manage on my own. So um, I'm, all, I'm all about that. So I'm super excited to hear some of, like, yeah. your ideas and opinions Sorry. on it. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and, and I, I don't want people to get me wrong. I love automations. I, I couldn't do the majority of my job without automation. Um, I'm a big, prof- I mean, our, our platform is an automation. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, it's automating the hard things. Um, but it, it comes down to you, you know, sending a personal video to you. I mean, it, take that, that post you just made about the, the engagement, uh, shoot, you just did. Mm-hmm. You have to get to know somebody, at least on a, a minimal level, to understand what's going to resonate and what they're going to love 
when they're getting their their second most important re- picture, re- pictures done in their relationship for sure their engagement announcement um so getting to know and, and even when i hired a photographer for one of my weddings i mean they sat down and they got they talked to us and learned figured out what we wanted well in advance of the wedding before the you know they sat down and talked to us and said this is what we st- we normally do or any anything you guys want to do and they got to know us before they did did our did our pictures for our mm-hmm. wedding. Um, I don't know how many photographers actually do that, but my experience isn't many. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you're not getting to know your customers on that personal level and it, it in, in today, if you don't have a relationship with a customer, that customer is going to be gone the, at the first opportunity they can, they're going to, they're going to get price sensitive super quick and they're going to be gone. For sure. Um, you got to stand out. Yeah. You, you have to stand out. You have to have a relationship with the person in order for them to give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. And, and not just, not just in initially, but like you said, the actual, you mentioned that, that shoot, something I, I did really well in that shoot. And I'm, I'm still, that was the first, um, I'm trying to get better at that. Of, of, okay. How is this going to be? Cause my first few weddings, I was still like in validation mode and, um, I just kind of showed up. I'd never met the bride until like I showed up and, and I was like, hey, this is actually really easy. And I realized, oh, it's easy because I'm getting lucky <laughs> and because I'm barely charging anything because I'm in a validation phase. Like, it's hard, it's easy to be like the good photographer when you're only charging like $500 for a wedding, like when you're trying to validate. But like, when you actually want to, like, I realized, oh, the more I try to like raise my prices and actually make a living, the harder this is going to get. I'm not going to get lucky every time. Um, so, something that I, I, back to that with what you said about this one that I did really well is, um, I, I got to know them a little bit just off of a couple questions and a few things she said and surprised them with one of the locations. I pulled out a prop that was very specific to them and she actually started dancing around in excitement and I was like, okay, that was worth that extra effort. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to remember it. You know, when, when somebody else they know gets engaged, they're going to oh, you got to call, you got to call Jared. Yeah. He was so awesome. And that stuff matters down the road. And that's, and then, you know, so in our, our business is called rocket referrals. And so many people say, well, when do I ask for the referral? I said, well, in reality, you never should. It, you should create an experience so good that the referral happens organically, or they talk about you on social media um, because that experience was so memorable. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter if you're doing photography, which is super emotionally connected to something as dry as an insurance um, that experience is what is going to drive the life of your business. No, for sure. So I a hundred percent agree with all this. I think it's good. Um, what, what does it actually look like though? Because it's, it's easy to be like, okay, yeah, let's market. Like we're humans. That's cool. But I still just know what I'm seeing and what I'm seeing is sales funnels and this and that. Like, so what does that look like? What does that look like in your opinion? What have you seen? Well, what is it that like you guys do at rocket referrals that sets that apart? Like if someone's watching this and they're like, cool, I, I agree with the, the concept, but I have no clue what to do after watching this or listening to this podcast and actually go and make any input, uh, uh, add anything to my business or make any changes. Right. So my big thing is, is video. I'm a big proponent of video or marketing, um, getting your face on camera or someone that represents your brand on camera. If you're not comfortable, hire somebody who is being on camera and, you know, do, putting out, not just, you know, Hey, sign up for a, uh, sign up for a, our, our company, 
provide valuable content or even just give a, you know, tell a story about mm. what the things you do and how they relate to the business that you're doing in, in that content, that's a big part. Um, when that's like, we're literally putting out our, our marketing plan for for second quarter of this year. And our, the funnel is we're going to put, take our written content, put it into video format, and that's going to be the marketing funnel to drive people to, to our business, getting in front of those cust- our ideal customers and, and basically trying to resonate with a message of what they're trying that they want, need to do and how we can help do that and how we can get them to that journey. Excuse me, I just had a beer, so I'm a little burpy. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's – and that's a big you – know, and, and video is – people consume video like – I don't think anybody appreciates how much video is consumed yeah. on Facebook, on Instagram, on tw- – even on Twitter, video is consumed at an insane rate. LinkedIn – I mean, it's gotten so big, even LinkedIn is, is, is pushing video. They're subsidizing video like Facebook was doing three years ago. Okay. Um, so – that's super important for, for companies and brands and even individual uh, you know, solopreneurs to be doing this video content. And if you don't hire a company like Mike Doyle, to, if you're not comfortable and not at a stage where you can hire somebody who is comfortable on video, hire somebody like Drive80 to do a you know, funny, quippy video that you know, resonates with your brand. Yeah. Only, so, only hire a Drive80 Mike, though, if you want like true awesomeness, though. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Awesome. And then, you know, the funnel thing, I mean, the funnel, all, all the funnel is, is a, is a, is a basically a laid out process of how you're going to get somebody from point A to point Z and everything in between. And that's all a funnel is. And it's people, you know, glorify the funnel. It's just a sales process. It's, it's been, it's as old as David Ogilvy. I mean, <laughs> if you're, if you follow it, I mean, it's direct funnel marketing is no different than old school direct response marketing. It's just mm-hmm. in a digital format, um, getting put somebody from point A to point Z and we can, but it's just so much easier to get them and identify them and keep them engaged than it was 30 years ago. Okay, cool. So video, are you just, I want to make sure, are you talking about more like, and I, I know that the guy didn't invent it, but it's, it's, he does the most quantity of the same. So like, like Gary V style or even like Joe Rogan style where they're putting out content. Or are you talking about like, you get me as a, as a, like a lead for whatever. And like, you're creating custom video stuff specifically, or, or like, what do you, what do you mean specifically? You're a big fan of video and you're talking about that and it's in your pipeline. Like, what does that look like? Both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, if you have the capacity to do it, I mean, putting, creating content is hard. I understand that. I mean, we're, we're we have a dedicated marketing team and we, I mean, we're struggling to make sure we get all the content we need done, but it, it's, it's, it's required in today's world. So yeah. we're, we're pushing through and we're going to do it. Um, and it's, you know, and you can, if you're not, if you don't have the capacity to do personalized videos to do a personalized and there's products like lime list out there that will do that stuff. So, and even then it's not, per, it's not actual personalized. It's, it's staged personalization because you create a video that says, Hey, my name's John. Welcome to my website. Mm. And, or, you know, you signed up for this, you signed up for this lead magnet or whatever, you know, you signed up for, for this list. And I'm going to tell you about what we do. And it goes out to that person. And then the, the email content is actually personalized. That's a great way to scale personal video um, where it still seems. And because if you get a video and it ha- an email and it has a video in it and it seems like it's personalized to you, that's going to that's going to work. Um, 
it may be a short-term tactic. It may stop working in a year mm -hmm. because Lemblist is fairly expensive and somebody's going to come in and go, I can do that too. And they're going to start to be some competition and more, just like everything else, marketers are in everything. Um, <laughs> it's going to get to a point to where that happens too. But it's, you know, if you can, if you have the capacity to do it, jump in it. Um, there's a, there's a, um, there's this guy, Mike Strom. So he's an insurance agent also has a really good mastermind course for insurance agents. And his saying is, if you want to sell to hundred percent of the market, you have to be in hundred percent of the places. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out how you can take your content. And this is the, it's basically the Gary V strategy. Yeah. Take take the, take large pillar content chop it up and distribute it across the places where it's, it's going to, you know, Instagram content is going to be a little bit different than what LinkedIn content needs to be. Mm -hmm. And not just the look of it, but what the actual piece of the content is. So you got to figure out what you, what you have the capacity to, to do, what your team can do, what you can do and do and scale it out as best you can. You know, we're even looking at tools like buffer to, to distribute out content. Mm, okay. And like anybody else, you know, it, it, podcasting, podcasting is a great example. There's a ton of different, there's, there's what, eight different major players in the podcasting networking right now, networking syndication or podcasting syndication. So many more than a few years ago when, when I had yeah. a podcast. But imagine if you, you're a podcaster and you have a podcast, but you want to get it to all the places. You have to upload it to eight different places until services like Anchor FM came in. And you can upload so nice. in one place and Anchor <laughs> distributes – basically, they syndicate to all the different networks for you mm -hmm. under your under your name. Figure out tools like that. Find a tool that's going to make it easy for you to syndicate your content in the different places. Automa you know, it, automatically, yeah. if, you, if you have to, or in, you know, if you're going to automate it, make sure you're – and Sarah Moore will tell you, if you're going to automate it, make sure you're there to respond when it's automated. Um, so if you're posting LinkedIn content, make sure it's posted in a, t in a time frame of when your team can respond. Same thing with Instagram. Or, you know, we're running a Facebook ad right now. I've spent the last day staring at my stupid phone <laughs> 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 to make sure that I could, you know, if somebody commented on the, the, the Instagram video, I could, I could, I could like it and I could also reply in app because for some stupid reason you can't reply on a, on the web app. Mm. Yeah, I made that mistake. We were um, over Christmas. We were visiting family, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, when I get back, I want to, you know, start doing some ads and stuff to, you know, do lead generation and create a process for that." So I'm just gonna do some testing while I'm on vacation. I'm sitting around, so I put together an ad. Fifteen dollars and twenty-two leads later, I was like, "Okay, I gotta turn this off. I don't have time to manage this." So I have like brides like messaging me. And I, I, luckily I set it up to where there was like um, three custom options and I kind of knew what mm -hmm. I was going to say, but like, I remember on the way we were driving home and I was like, Oh, you guys hungry? You want to stop for lunch? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I'm like, okay, good. Cause I've got like three brides I have to respond to. Like <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. So I was like, try to play, try to play catch up there. But um, yeah. back to what you said about like the pillar content, all that kind of stuff. Like I know if you're limited, um, what I think is the biggest bang for your buck right now. And I, I know it's, it depends on, you know, if you're a writer, if you have a good voice or if you're, you know, where your strengths and stuff are. But, um, I think like the biggest leverage, if you can only take on like one bigger project, you can't be, you know, not everyone has like 22 people like on team Gary V. Um, yeah. but I, with the podcasting, like you messaged me before we started this because it's a podcast, it's an audio only podcast. You said, Hey, are we just doing audio? And I was like, well, no, we're going to do video too. 
I'm, I'm using it for some other stuff. Cause like my plan is, and I, I haven't figured out how I'm in time, if I'm gonna have to hire someone, a basic editor or something. But if you do a podcast, you record it with video, you've got your YouTube channel, you've got your podcast and those are both like pillar. They're bigger, you know, and then you can chop mm-hmm. it up. Like I actually yep. was doing that for a while before, um, right before I got into f- photography, a couple of years ago, it, I did it for a few of the roundtablers who were doing podcasts where I was doing like the snackable content thing where I take like, yep. you know, 40 minute, hour, hour and a half podcast and cut it up into like five different types. And there's like, oh, here's like the Facebook one, like the Joe Rogan type, you know, like the four minute Facebook yep. clip. And then here's four 60 second Instagram clips and um, and then, you know, doing the bars with the, the, the different things and the, the, all that stuff. Um, and there's so much you can do off just doing a podcast, you know, YouTube, YouTube channel, podcast, breaking up little content. You can take like if something funny happened right now, like take a screenshot of that and make that as a meme, you know, like oh, yeah. there's, there's all like, I, that picture I posted um, from last week's episode to the group of as I was editing of uh, me and Lee. Uh, I'm sorry, me and Jay. Um, I just was like kind of looking for where, one where we weren't making a crazy face. I wasn't paying too much attention. I did a quick little screen grab. I posted on the group. And after I posted it, I was like, we look like we're really disappointed in each other. Like I could have grabbed that and made like put text on there and made a whole funny thing that pointed people back to my stuff. There's just so many, so many options. If you don't have like the ability to do everything, I feel like like doing the podcast style thing is, is a great way. Cause you can chop it up and you can use it for so many different things um, down the road and uh, as well. So I think that's a pretty good strategy. Yeah. In, I mean, in my opinion. And, oh, well, even like when we're recording, long form video, seven, eight, 10 minute videos in, in house, we're recording B roll too. So we, I'm recording with my phone mm. of them recording. Nice. Um, so we do that and it's kind of like, I'll, I'll post to our Instagram, you know, oh, we're shooting some new video with, with Matthew, um, you know, you know, and that kind of stuff. And it's also a fun morale booster cause I'll get the funny faces people are making Oh, nice. and I'll, I'll, I'll drop it in our Slack. So, you know, everybody gets to make fun of somebody else on the team for half an hour. <laughs> that's that's awesome yeah, yeah. there's there's a, honestly like i feel like we're in an era where you just have to know your audience to be creative about it like i remember yeah. back in 2000 i think it was 11 ish the first time i saw it was early AppSumo, and you know they were would release like those free videos that were skype mm-hmm. where like they would literally have a conversation like we're doing and it was like the two like you know like when i split this out and if i go to put it to video it's got like the split screen right so it's like yeah i'll be on this side you'll be on this side kind of thing i remember being so turned off by that because it wasn't like hd it wasn't professional it looked like just two guys and then noah was doing a lot of that kind of stuff and i was like man this is crap they're supposed to be like this big business they're supposed to be professional and it took me a while to get used to it. Like, the, oh, this is the new trend kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, things have come so far since then that, like, you people are doing daily vlogs on cell phones. You've got, you know, you can take a, a quick picture and then have a, a app on your phone to just add some stickers and some text and stuff. And you've got content. So I think it depends on, on your audience of knowing who they are and kind of customizing it to kind of yep. go go with that. Like you said, you're just recording like funny faces and you're, you know, using it for behind the scenes stuff for, for your company. So there's yeah. a lot of options now. Yep. And and we, we, we do this stuff because we don't know, like we, when we get done recording video, like we record a set, when we record a seven minute video, it takes three takes. We record, we actually record one roll. Okay. We don't stop. And then we upload the whole damn thing to our, sto- our video server. 
and we store it forever. Yeah. So we have a video vault we, that we have for our exit party, you know, nice. so we're going to play just like, <laughs> and there's a, and there's one of me. It's like every time I'm on video and every time I fuck up, it's Nick saying, fuck it's at, it's beep, 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 beep. It's nothing beeps for like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we have all that stuff and it, you know, all, you never know when you're going to have, or you're going to record something. Maybe you had an idea for a video. Maybe it's not relevant right now, but if you record it, you store it somewhere safe, like Dropbox or wherever, or if mm-hmm. you have, you know, have the resources for a video server and store it, you can reuse it later. Or even, you know, Gary, I, I listen to Gary V podcast. I have a 40 minute commute. So I listen to the Gary V podcast. It's one I can consume easily, but yeah. he's reusing content from from five years ago. Yeah, he, he does. I mean, because you never, and, and that's the other thing people forget in the funnel, and quote, and with with air quotes, in the funnel, Yeah. you never know where someone is in their journey when they're going to be ready to buy, buy from you. I have people, I have salespeople who say, you know, we kind of repeat our emails. You know, I, you know, the different salespeople have the almost same email sequence mm-hmm. minus some, some changes for the, for their person. And then I also have a, a couple other email automations that have the same email content, <laughs> just reused for that for specific fun, that specific email automation. And they're like, "Well, what if that person gets the email twice?" I'm like, "It's thir- they're both like 13 emails long. More than likely, they didn't open one of them." Yeah. <laughs> so you never know. Re- you know, be, don't be afraid to reuse content or rehash content in your your any part of your your sales process or your marketing process yeah because you never know when people are going to miss you know and i like right now we're running an ad very short like it's a two-day long length long ad our average i think everybody's everybody on that list the audience is going to see that ad i think i was just looking three and a half times oh well so they saw it three and a half times hopefully (laughs) they saw it in three and a half different platforms yeah okay that makes sense I know that was a topic in the the group for a few months ago when a lot of, a lot of them were started up podcasts, um, and I, I think it was Mike who specifically mentioned uh, the, or had the question of, hey, so because he was doing like a seasons thing, he took a break and coming back, but he wanted to like reuse some episodes that were you know mm-hmm. a bit older, but didn't want to annoy his audience at the same time. And he was like getting feedback, and I was like, hey, look, like because I listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. um, and so I was like, yeah. For me, because like you said, like you don't always like you're gonna have a very small group who started the week you started, has listened every single time, and has like a eighty percent memory retention rate where they're like, Oh man, I you're repeating this episode. You got people dropping in, you don't know. And so like my my suggestion was I was like, Look, I don't mind because a lot of times it's either been so long that I don't remember everything and it's a good refresher, or I missed it the first time. It's like, but the only thing I don't like with it is if, if I'm confused, because I'm like, wait, didn't I hear this episode a while back? I've been binge listening. So I'm like, just throw a little, you know, 60 second, hey, this is from the archives. It was really blah, blah, blah. Um, hope you enjoy it. You know, if, you, if you've heard it before, no worries. Skip to the next one. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good idea. So I, I, like you said, whether, you know, they've been around, you see it again. And it's not like someone's going to be like, I saw an email that was strangely similar to this, you know, and they're going to get mad and what, like, I, I'm going to block yeah. all emails from you. Like, if so, they were never probably going to buy it from you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, bucko. Yeah, I mean, and I sent out 13,762 emails last year. 
<laughs> Quite a few people probably got the same email a couple yeah. times. And a couple times the automation broke and it repeated, it put them back in the cycle. So <laughs> I was looking through PipeDrive at one. I'm like, wait a second. I know this one's been in this funnel for like six months. Why are they getting that email? Yeah. I look back, I was like, oh shit, that one broke. <laughs> I better go fix that. But they never said anything, and they're cut. And actually, that one specific one—they're actually a customer now. So because that automation broke and restarted, they actually were getting the emails again and became re-engaged. So it is what I'll take it. I'll take that. That I'll take that loss. That's money. Yeah. Um, and I've I've watched National Treasure probably seventy-five times. So <laughs> I, I'm like one of those people. Like, and I, it's like every time I catch little things, I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, like I literally, I have like I think Nick. I'm pretty sure Nikki is knows that if she's getting tired, like she's falling asleep on the couch, there's a good chance she's gonna wake up. I'm watching National Treasure. <laughs> That's hilarious. Wait, so is it is it like a Nick connection, like Nick Barry, Nicholas Cage? What is it? <laughs> I don't know that. Like, but I watch Transformers. Like, I watch these dopey, mm. bad. Like, it's not it's a not a great film, but I watch these movies over and over. It's just. And sometimes it's just nice to have background noise while I'm doing something else, and it's something familiar, so I don't okay. have to worry about catching anything. Yeah. See, I don't like, especially movies, but really anything I don't like. Like, I never read the same book twice. I don't. Mm. And in my entire life, I've never met anyone else like me. Everyone yeah. is like, they see movies multiple times. Like, with the exception of, like, Star Wars, I've most movies I've only ever seen once or maybe twice or maybe three times. And it's not because like I put it on again. We have our family traditions, like, you know, nightmare for Christmas. We watch every year, that kind of thing. And I'm literally the only person like I've never met another person. Everyone like they watch stuff over and over. And like my dad is hilarious. He'll, he'll watch a movie, not remember he watched it. And my mom will be like, um, Jerry, you've seen that already. He's like, no, I haven't. And she's like, yeah, I remember da da da. He's like, no, I don't remember any of that. He'll watch like, 70 minutes of like a 90 minute movie and be like oh i remember this one <laughs> yeah so yeah point being the human mind isn't you know 90 percent, 99 percent of the time isn't going to be super irritated like even gary v stuff like a lot of his stuff repeats and it's just a little bit different and even someone like me who hates that like my brain does kind of pick that out a little bit and it's an irritant a lot of times to me very rarely, even with Gary Vee, and I, 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 I'll go through phase. Like I'm kind of on a down phase right now, but like when I'm on an yeah. on phase, I literally consume like everything he does. Like mm -hmm. we've joked about that in the group about where I like you guys were. I had quite. I added the context. I'm like, wait, the fact that I know that means I probably watch too much of his stuff. And even like very rarely do I ever go like, all right, Gary, you're putting too much of like the same thing. Like it's just I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, have I taken action on it? No. So how am I going to complain that I'm seeing it again? Yep. Exactly. So, and that's the same thing with any any marketing. You know, if, if they haven't taken action on it, and if if they're bothered by it, see you later. I mean, that's that's the the, the best should be the the main thing people are considering. If someone's complaining, you don't want them as a customer. For if sure. they're complaining in your marketing process, they're going to be a pain in the ass when they're a customer. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. And the thing is, though, that I, I want to stop there for a second because that was easy for you to say, and that was easy for me to say, like agree with you. But that's really hard. Like that's really hard is. to get a hold of that when you're starting out. Oh, when I was doing, when I was starting Thankably, and I was, and it, you know, I didn't need to do Thankably. I was, I had a really comfortable career. Um, I was making a lot of money selling ag equipment, but it was still, if you were a pain in the ass, I didn't want to do it. Like. If somebody pushed back real hard, I'm like, dude, I, I don't need this. Yeah. You know, 
But even if I, if, even if it was my full-time job, even dude, I, when I worked in it, it was my job. And I'd look at my boss and be like, I'm not doing that. I mean, <laughs> and I could have got fired for it. But yeah. I'd be like, no, I'm no, we're not doing that. That's not in our, that's not in the scope of this, of this project. Yeah. You got to push. And you just, people just have to learn that those people are going to, they, more importantly than money, they cost you time and energy. Yeah. And that's that, that psychological energy. I think so many people don't appreciate. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's taken me years to learn. Like mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many copywriting projects I took on where I'm like, um, I, I knew like in the back of my mind, I probably shouldn't take this, but you know, it's good money and I, you know, let me just take it and just keep things going. And, you know, and, and then I get like through the project, I'm like, why did I take this? Like next time I'm not going to, and then I would, and I would, and you hear that, you know, it's one of those things it's like, Oh, niche down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's one of those things. And, um, I think what really seemed to for me was actually not that long ago. I had a bride from hell <laughs> for like an engagement shoot. And she was just totally nasty about stuff. And I was like, you know, there were, th- there were signs in the beginning, you know what I mean? Like it was, and there was a, I had a couple other brides too that I was trying to win that I knew they might be a hassle, but I was like, I'm trying to get this thing going. I want to try to get, and after going through the process, in fact, my wife and I were just talking about this uh, last night and I was like, as annoying as it was to deal with her and she was trying to scam me and stuff like that and, and, and trying to, you know, and whatnot. And, um, and it took me hours of dealing with this and research and this and back and forth. It was a pain in the butt. Like at the time I just wanted it to go away. That's all I wanted to do is make it go away. And it was like, as, as irritating as that was, it, it's the best business lesson like I've ever had because not too long after that, I had another difficult bride and I wasn't in that desperate mindset. I was like, I can see this pattern. I can see this coming. If it is this hard in the booking phase, what is it going to be like the day of where she's at, she's sitting on her couch, like drinking like a margarita right now, super relaxed. And she's this hard to deal with. What is she going to be like on the most stress? Yes. The most wonderful day, but potentially the most stressful day of her life. And so finally I just emailed her back and I was like, um, cause her questions were getting just outrageous and her requests were getting outrageous as far as like wanting creative commons license attribution on all of her photos versus blah, blah, just all this weird, super like out there type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I finally just emailed her back and it was like a hundred percent with like knowing the experience and knowing how much easier my life would have been if I hadn't worked with this other bride. And I just was like, you know what, after uh, reviewing the contract, I try to say it as like less like <laughs> screw you as possible. It was like after reviewing the, the, the reviewing your request and your needs, blah, blah, blah. I don't th- think we're a good fit. So, you know, best of wishes to, you know, type, it was like one of those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And rather than sitting back and going, what did I do? I just, you know, gave up a lot of money. I was like, it's probably the best decision I've ever made as far as business related. So that's why I kind of wanted to pause on that for a second. Cause it's super easy to say that, but I know that it's, it's, it's not when you're starting out, you're just not even if you're desperate, you just, you're trying to get something going. You want to take every project you can and get every client you can. Um, but I also know a lot of, a lot of round tablers who have quit projects and quit businesses because they got two or three of those clients that they should have just weeded out from the very beginning. And it caused them to run the entire thing that they were trying to do. So yeah. I think it's super important to learn that lesson and kind of actually, you know, heed that advice. Yeah. I told her, hang on just a second. I got to send it. Somebody messaging you. See, always working. Always working. <laughs>
yeah, never stops. Leading a marketing team ever. <laughs> so I, I'm super interested in kind of your, because you you're in a, a unique position to where, like, you're you're working for a company, but you're also very much like you're more entrepreneur than a lot of people who are running their own thing. And I know that stigma of, well, you're not really an entrepreneur. Like Gary Vee's got that whole, if you've ever worked for someone, you're not a true entrepreneur. And um, I know there's a lot of opinions like that, but like from knowing what you do and from seeing yourself in the group, like you're more of an entrepreneur than, like I said, most people who are running their own thing. So like, could you kind of paint that picture a little bit and kind of talk to us a little bit about what kind of what it is you do? And I guess, I guess the tech correct term is actually intrapreneur, I think is what they call it yeah. when you're an entrepreneur in a company. Right. Well, I and mean, even Gary Vee says, you know, if, if your strengths aren't running a business and there's nothing wrong with being number seven. Yeah. I mean, the dude at num number seven at Facebook is a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. The dude who quit and tried to do his own thing is broke. Mm-hmm. But so and there's and it is whatever your strengths and weaknesses are. I'm going to work on my strengths. I I've stopped trying. I'm not going to stop improving on the things I'm good at. I'm, I do, but mm. I have a coordinator who makes sure I get my shit done. <laughs> <laughs> I have a designer that makes things really really nice. He's got a really great design mindset. We're you know we've got a copywriter coming on board because I'm a terrible writer. Um, so we've got a team that are good at specific things. My thing is connecting technology and connecting all the pieces. Like my, I don't even really need a funnel mapping tool, even though I use funnel mapping. I don't need, I, I don't, for me, I don't need, I understand how all the pieces go together and how the thing's going to work. But most people don't. So that's why, you know, I document everything I do. But my role is, is simple. I, you know, I work with a marketing team to put a, to create a marketing plan for everything. And we're actually, Building this team, what we've decided is we're going to treat each marketing campaign as like a product launch. So our coordinator mm. is more like a project manager. Okay. So he's going to make sure all of the pieces are ready to go. But every time we launch a campaign, it's going to be treated in in department like a product launch. So it's going to be, you know, we have a whiteboard that's dedicated for a project. We have Trello boards and air tables that are dedicated to making sure all of the pieces, everybody's getting their things done and if I have something I need the designer to do, I don't go to the designer. I go to the coordinator. Okay. And even though I'm kind of leading the team, I don't go straight to the team member. I go I go to my coordinator and the coordinator makes sure they have the capacity and can get that, you know, we'll set the priority. Okay. Or if the if the designer needs something for me or needs feedback on a, on something he did, he goes to the coordinator, the coordinator gets it to me. So putting all those pieces together and I don't I don't consider myself. I actually, I consider myself a terrible manager. I'm not a. <laughs> if I when I was in when I was in the Air Force and I became um, a, an NCO and they started giving me airmen to manage, I was like, I don't want to fucking do this. This is not <laughs> what I. <laughs> let me fix planes. <laughs> um, and I was like, I don't want to do this. And the people I had were like, they because I was the lowest ranking NCO. They were like, they gave me the worst airmen of all of them. Like <laughs> the, all the all the troublemakers. We got to like, and then, but I end up becoming really good friends with some, most of them because I'm also a troublemaker. So, and, and that's my role. Like I, I've, the, every time, everything I've done at Rocker Furls, we've never done this before. Mm. And that's where I'm great at. If you, if you give me defined roles, I'm probably going to fail. If you say you, this is the only thing you can do, I'm out. 
and I'll will, and, and then Tori and I, you know, our, our co-founders, we sat down and they said, "Hey, we love your spirit because you take ownership in everything you do. You treat it like it's yours. You don't waste resources. You don't blow money. Um, you know, you you treat every dollar like it's your own." And I do that because if we don't, if I, if everybody in the company doesn't do that, then we're going to be doomed in ten mm. years. We're not going to be around. Plus, I take ownership in it because my name's connected to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when people, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well known in our, in the, in our niche of doing the things I do. And I'm not going to, Hey, I'm not going to ruin our company's reputation. And I'm not, I'm, my name stake to it too. Yeah, that's good. So if I ask an influencer, Hey, well, you know, can we talk about this? Or if, if I get, if I get on a podcast in our niche, I'm like, I'm not going to do anything to damage our brand because of my name's associated with it too. And then there goes my reputation in the industry. Yeah. No, that, man, that's like so profound. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> it, it, for a few reasons, because like one, like um, not just, so it's very specific to what you're doing. And, and I think the reason you've been so successful and the reason why I don't think anyone in the group thinks of you as having a job. They think of you as, because you don't have a job, you, you do what you just said. And there's more ownership to it than that. Um, the other thing, like, it just I, how many business, like, quote unquote, like, business owners or entrepreneurs don't have that same ownership, even though it is theirs. And honestly, like, when you were talking just now, it, what I kept thinking of is it reminded me of, like, and this is gonna sound funny in a second, and it, it, but it, like, it'll make sense. It reminded me of, like, my grandpa talking about when he was younger, and, like, he used to have a business. And, you know, like, when he was, we're sitting around the table and he's talking about, like, you know, oh, kids nowadays kind of thing. Um, and, like, talking about, like, what he would do. And, like, I remember being a kid and being like, man, that was a lot of work. Like, that wasn't even your fault. Like, you should have just told the customer, like, oh, he screwed up and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and he would go through these, like, great lengths to make sure. And then because of that, he had this reputation and he went from – and he had a garage and then all these things he did. And I got that flashback when you are talking about that. And that's the way people – and companies ran back in the day, you know, back before everything was like kind of fly by night and let's just kind of do this. And if it doesn't work out, whatever. And I think there's like a lot of people who could be listening to this that maybe they've had failed project, failed project, failed project. Oh, maybe I'm not a business person. Maybe I'm a failure. Maybe I'm this or that. And a lot of it is just, you know, take some ownership in it and take some pride in it. And, you know, or even it's the other way around. Oh, I just need to be an entrepreneur because I can't hold a job. And that might be true. You may need to be an entrepreneur, but maybe it's just because you're not taking that ownership like like you're talking about. And I was like, man, if everyone could just grab that and like like a hat and put it on like and wear it in whatever the situation they're in, like I feel like they would be 40, 50, 100 times more successful in whatever they were doing. And whatever like they were bummed about in their life, whatever it was, would just kind of like skyrocket. Um, yeah. no, no pun intended. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. And we talk, we, we even like, dude, when my accounts cancel, I take it personally, mm-hmm. even though it's probably something in their business going on. I take it personally when my, like, I'll go, I'll, I'll, cause we all see the cancellation notices and I'm like, oh man, why did they cancel? And I'll look through the notes. I'm like, and I'm like, we, I got to make sure that we did everything we could for that customer. And we'll even like even when I get an email from a customer that says, "Hey, you know things are we're you know we're struggling, you know we're struggling to make ends meet. We're cutting every cost." I'll look through and make sure and you know make sure that we did everything we could, yeah, to benefit that customer and make sure that we because we when we do our our onboarding, we we ask those onboarding questions to make sure that they're going to be a good fit for our software, 
and I, I go to make sure that we were doing the things that were important to them in our in our admin notes and stuff okay. like that. And and I still to this day, I mean, I've been doing this, and I I'm not even in the sales team anymore. And I still get, I take it personally when accounts cancel because it's it's so dear to me that we do everything we can to make sure that that customer is successful. And I don't, I don't see business. I don't see a lot of businesses doing that. I don't see a lot of salespeople doing that. I don't see business mm-hmm. owners doing that. It's the customer's fault. It's always, I mean, it, at some point it is the customer's fault, but it's your business. It's yeah. your customer. Yeah. So where, where does the fault really fall? So, do you guys do you like when that happens and you go through the notes and stuff other than like you something glaring like you know you miss something or whatever do you guys do anything to try to like win them back like do you guys have any kind of like like do you like try to michael scott them and like take them to applebee's and like see like what's going on kind of thing or <laughs> I tr- we try to call them like if they email in because everybody wants to cancel wants to be as non-confrontational as possible because they think it's going to be hard yeah so i we try to call them i try even to still to this day i mean because i consider marketing to also be customer success and customer retention yep. so i still look through and look at accounts and go you know and i'll call them and say is there anything we could have done to make your experience better um did we meet all your, you know, all the needs you had, stuff like that? And we do a customer exit. We try to, if they'll pick up the phone. Yeah. I get hung up on it all the time. <laughs> but, um, and then we, you know, try to, if there was an issue that they didn't have, it was something that we, that falls into what we've identified as our core beliefs. Mm. We'll try to fix it. If it's something an account manager wasn't staying in touch with them, stuff like that, we'll, we'll run, we'll address it with the account manager. That's pretty rare. I mean, that's our job. That's actually our software does is identify yeah. Seems to be your guys' so, strength. Yeah. So it's it's really really rare that that happens. If it is, it's because something just got somebody got overwhelmed or slipped through the cracks. But for the most part, it's just they stop seeing the value in it. So and so we in our our platform, our core belief is we don't believe in subscription like in long term contracts. Mm-hmm. Everything's month to month. You want to cancel? That's great. Cancel. You're done. We won't bill you next month. We make it easy to come back, all that stuff. So, in a lot of our customers do come back. And they'll realize how you know hard it is to do all of the things we were doing, <laughs> and uh, they'll eventually. Most of them will eventually come back. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So we are. That, that's a big. You know, that's kind of a big thing for us, or especially the leadership, is making sure that our customers are taken care of even after they leave. Even if, and we've got a report. Even if somebody cancels and they forget to get their testimonial report, we'll even go into the system and pull it and email it to them okay. just because to make sure that they have that data because it it's their data. So, right. Okay. Uh, th- that's cool because, like, one, most companies would just not care because yeah. that's – When we canceled our intercom subscription, they were like, see you later. Yeah. Your data's gone. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, just – but think about that. Like, it, because it – if, if you scale that out, it becomes like kind of an, it could be like an irritant on your guys' side because we have to do this thing. They're not even our customer anymore. You know, why did they not grab their stuff themselves? You know, type thing. You could be like, you could switch all the way over from like just neutral, like lazy to kind of, you know, business evil and be like, well, if you sign back up for, you know, a six month contract, you can get that data back. But to like go out of your way to be like, oh, by the way, chances are like, you probably want this. Like you, you probably didn't purposely not get this. You know, someone forgot, like, here you go. Um, 
that to me, I mean, because you could, yeah, okay, fine. There, there's some monetization value of maybe they come back or something. But for the most part, that just sounds like it goes back to your guys' core values. And yep. that's the reason you guys are doing it. And, and it's less of like, oh, the ROI on this is we have a 15% sign-up rate because of it. It sounds more like it's a, this is the right thing to do. And because we actually enforce this and we, we force ourselves to be good people, aka, you know, market like humans, mm-hmm. it just makes everything else we do better too. Yep. And it makes you, and when, and it, I think, you know, I've even had account managers because we'll, we have a team meeting every Tuesday morning and I bring it up all the time. I said, so-and-so canceled. It broke my heart. Like, especially if I know them, <laughs> like if I spent a lot of time onboarding them and everything else, it's like, it broke my heart. They canceled. And the yeah. other account manager would be like, are you kidding me? I worked for seven months on that account, you know? Did and, you, uh, have you ever, um, unsubscribed from like Noah Kagan's, uh, list mm-hmm. and that little, I don't know if he still does it, but like, no joke. There was a period of time where like every three months or so, I would unsubscribe from like something of his because I, I have multiple email accounts and so I was mm-hmm. generally signed up for stuff. But I'd go through and I'd uh, like not my main one because I don't want to like you know miss anything. But I'd unsubscribe from things just to see like because for a while he had that picture like that, that of him like in bed like all sad like waving by and, mm-hmm. and and like it was so pathetic that you're like okay whatever I'll just resubscribe you know like and so like I would go through this period this, like, this phase where I would unsubscribe randomly from his stuff to see if he updated anything or changed anything or you know is the picture nude is there am I going to get some weird email from him and and uh, yeah. so I I'd had certain email accounts where I would just do that every a couple times a year just to see what was going on yeah so in my email even in our, our sales and marketing email sequence we, I have a breakup email I'm a firm believer in the you know, this is the last time I'm going to email you. Mm-hmm. Um, breakup email, and it's the email is should I stay or should I go? Nice. And it's it's goofy. It's a goofy email. It gets it's a ton of responses because it's funny. Mm-hmm. And then I put so our office, our company, we have an office dog named Charm. She's our co-founder, King Charles Cavalier, uh, King Charles Cavalier Spaniel. She's so adorable. And we got we we somebody got a picture of her. and She looks really sad laying on the floor and that's in there and it said p.s charm is sad we haven't heard back from you wow that's awesome (laughs) and i get a ton of responses from that those like breakup emails are the best because like you've already basically lost the customer anyways so it's like a hell mary type thing like when i worked at and now this is boring as uh, i was in internet sales department um so i i was at nissan but then i went to another i was at nissan slash like ford Dodge kind of conglomerate mm-hmm. type thing. And our breakup email was called alligators. And it was basically like, Hey, so, uh, it was, it was something along the lines of like, so that was the, the alligators was the subject line, which almost, it was like a 90% open rate. Like they wouldn't, they'd open like our first email with a quote, nothing for like six months. And then they'd open alligators because they're like alligators. Why is a car dealership send me, you know, and they'd open it. It was like, um, you know, one of two things has happened and, you know, one is you just basically hate us and, you know, if so, no worries, this is last email, so you don't have to worry about that and, you know, it's over. Um, or you were eaten by alligators and we'd like to send flowers and our condolences to your family. Where should we send them to? And like, no joke, like we would get like, uh, appointments off of that. Cause people would be like, Oh my gosh, that was so funny, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I am. I, I've been busy, but you know, so I kind of stopped looking for cars, but I am, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and come in kind of thing. Um, and those breakup emails are fun <laughs> and they seem so to be effective. I'll, I'll read my email. So I just grabbed, pulled one up. Uh, should I stay or should I go? Question mark. I've reached out, reach, 
I tried to reach you a few times, get you set up a Rock Referrals account. Haven't heard back, which tells me one of three things. You're all set with referrals from your best customers. I should stop bothering you. You're still interested, but haven't had the time to get back to chat yet. The three, you ha- you've fallen, you can't get up. Let me know. And in ca- that case, let me know, and I'll call someone to help you. <laughs> so, That's and then awesome. yeah, it's a picture of Charm that says, um, yeah, P.S. Charm is sad. You haven't heard. We haven't heard back from you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love the break of you and I've been doing it for a couple of years now and it's the same template. So, yeah, no, but it, I mean, if, it, if it's not broken, don't fix, don't no, fix it type no. thing. So yeah. that's cool. Let me just, I want to kind of wrap this up here. I know, um, you're a, a busy guy. I know you're like in between trying to, you know, respond. You got a team you're managing and stuff. Um, I, I want to take us back to the beginning really quick and kind of end it with the beginning and you started off this whole thing by saying, you know, marketing like a human type thing. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff we're talking about applies. I mean, it applies overall. Some of it, you know, we're talking about you inside of a little bit bigger company. Let's say I'm like the new guy, like new, I just started. I just read a Gary Vee book and I, now I think I'm, I'm going to go out and start XYZ business and I'm going to be, be awesome. Um, what would your advice be, uh, in a, knowing that you know, in a world like the, the marketing world is almost like Vegas, right? It's like girls, 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 blah, blah, come in here, free food with this, gamble this, like like everything's trying to get your attention, and um, it's all like false dreams, right? Like knowing that mm-hmm. like so much of the marketing world is buy our new funneling system, buy our new this, and it's blah blah blah. What would your advice be to that person? How can they market? Why should they? Well, we kind of really covered the why, but how how could they getting started as one person? I've got my idea. I just sold a couple of them, and now I want to actually go with this. I'm validated. I want to go with this thing. What would your advice to be that person to kind of stay true to that human marketing course and not getting caught in all the, the glamour of making a million dollars over the weekend with this new program? First, don't start automating. Don't start off with automation. Send like I, We use Pipedrive so we can manage um, everything in mm-hmm. one place. Um, we have templates for everything, but I, we, when I first started off, I wanted to see – how people were responding to our, our, our message. Um, so I didn't send, I didn't have an, an automation platform to automate my follow-up emails. My first six months of the company, I still sent 6,000 emails and I did it manually. Okay. <laughs> like I still had to put in, like at the time, Pipedrive didn't even have fields, like custom fields pulling from the data. So I had to pull up a template, delete the placeholders, put all the placeholder information in that correct information and send the email. So don't automate until it makes sense to automate um, until you're able to figure out what, how people respond to your message, even your marketing messages. Don't automate that stuff. Do it by hand. So you understand what people are doing and saying, Um, don't try to be smarter than everybody else. If you're just starting out, don't try to be smarter than Gary B. He'll beat you every time. He's not. And he'll even say he's not even the smartest person on the planet. He's not the smartest marketer <laughs> on the planet. But it's, but it's not even that his team yeah. is smarter than everybody else. There's so many of them. Yeah. They, just, they just beat you into submission. And that's. And I've never considered myself a great salesperson. I consider myself a persistent salesperson. Mm. I don't like. I won't give up on a lead until they tell me to go fuck myself. Yeah. I mean that's my that that that's is my my, my mentality too. Until they tell me to stop, it yep. it means 
pursue me. Like I, there's some reason I haven't done it yet, but until I ask you to stop and that's the same thing. Like, and, and that has helped me. I've booked more weddings off of that. Um, when I first got started, I didn't know what I was doing. So I was using a lead generation service mm-hmm. and I literally would just go through there and, and send follow up email and follow up email. And follow. I literally last week booked a bride who I first sent the lead out like three or four months ago when I was first like still in like the validation phase. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Hey, sorry. Um, I, I have had a break from the, I said, Hey, sorry. And Siri is like now listening to what I say. <laughs> and she's like, I took a break from wedding planning, but I'm back into it now. Well, I, I'm like the last email she got. Cause everyone else gave up and I, I was emailing her for like a month and a half. And yep. then, and I had multiple where I had, um, one, I have another wedding that, um, I was supposed to book it already. The, the he's in the hospital. So it hasn't, but it, it's supposed to. So we'll see, you know, you never know until it's yep. actually done. But so in theory, I'm about ready to book another wedding where literally the message came through, Hey, thank you for following up for so long. My wedding's actually over. Um, I wish I'd gone with you instead of the photographer I had, um, I, I it would have turned out better. So I don't even know what that story is. Um, and then she said, my, but my sister's getting married in six months. Can I give her your information? Yep. And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> and so now, and I, again, it was supposed to book at the beginning of the month. And so we'll see if it actually turns out to be the happy ending. Literally just because I was like, until I get digitally punched in the face. Now, I'm not being a jerk about it. I'm not being rude. No. And I, I, I designed, after doing it for a couple months, an actual email seat. And I was sending them manually, but I had them in, in Dropbox paper. I wrote them all out, and I'd copy and paste. And if I felt like I needed to change anything, I would. And, and I had this whole sequence of, like, like, back to the whole marking, like, you're human. I said, okay, if I'm a bride, here's the process. I know that as soon as I put my information into this, this thing where, like, a ton of them are going to get the leads, I'm going to get all these messages, I'm going to get overwhelmed, I'm going to back off. And I'm, I'm okay. I don't know what all this means. There's so much information and I'm going to get over it. So I literally de- de- developed this like three month follow-up sequence and I would wait until they would literally, it would, I would get the notification saying they've canceled. I'm like, okay, that's a no. I physically I cannot respond to them anymore. The platform has yep. blocked me or yep. they'd be like, dude, what are you doing? My wedding's over. Like my, my wedding was like three months ago. I'm like, how am I supposed to know that? Okay, fine. You I'll stop messaging. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I got you to say, I got you to tell me that. So that's still yep. a win. That's a no. And yeah, and I yep. was that same way. Until I get a no, I'm going to keep following up with you. And I'm I, because of it, I'm booking like 30% more weddings. Yep. So. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah, if, if people would be more persistent and have more patience, they'd be so much more successful. Um, and that's r- really what it comes down to as far as getting there. Mm-hmm. And then your messaging test. Be willing to and take some risks. Yeah. You know, if you're not funny, find somebody who is funny to have him write. Right, even all your emails don't have to be funny, but a couple of them should be. Um, yeah. So we, I've even got a couple goopy things like so. I put the personalization in instead of saying "Hey, John," mm-hmm. it's "Hey, I was just at coffee with my friend. His name is John." Well, we'll call him John to, to keep things. Yeah, safe. that's funny. And, so, but and I stole that. And it's time. their name. <laughs> yeah, so it's their name. So, you know, just goofy things. And so, if you're going to do personalization, don't just do it the same way everybody else does it. Um, and it's important to track your data, but don't live by the data alone. Mm, Look good. at the, all of the results. Data can only tell you so much. Yeah. You know, talk to your customers, find out why they signed out, 
find out why they're using that, that, why they signed up when they did. So you can learn about their journey, but not everybody's journey is going to be the same to where they're ready to buy. Yeah. So be, you know, that persistence keeps, falls into that too. Mm-hmm. Jenny may hear from you once and be ready to, to, to book her wedding. Well, Joanne may hear, need to hear from you 16 times before she trusts you enough to book her wedding. Yeah. And so, that, that's just, you're, you're just talking about like the trust factor. Then there's the life factors of, yep. you know, okay, 16 times plus, you know, life emergencies in between mm-hmm. those 16 times. And it, it's going to be that persistent person. You know, like you said, it's, it's most, every industry is different. Obviously sales, the, probably the least marketing a little bit less, but then most, most industries, um, like I think like wedding, like service-based businesses are some of the worst because they're, they, they know how to do their craft and the other stuff. They think like a follow-up phone call and then the, the lead is dead. And like, like I said, I was, and that was something even, even in car sales, like I would go through the dead leads. People would be outside, they're drinking coffee, hanging out, talking. I'm in there emailing dead leads. Like that's from like a year and a half ago. I'm like, yeah, statistically speaking, they probably need their next car. Now they wrecked their first one or, or their kid needs it. And I would work the dead leads. Because yep. I'm like, okay, if they're already dead, I can literally say anything I want in this email. And then I can yep. see what gets a response. So I was like, they're dead to the company. What am I going to do, get fired because I made someone on, on a, a two-year-old dead lead list mad? It's not going to happen. I can literally you know, test it. I can see what's going on. And then yep. if I book one appointment, like I, would, I, was, um, I started getting attention from the managers because I started getting all these um, appointments in for people to look off um, to have their, their car um, trade-in value. And like, mm-hmm. they're like, no one's ever doing this. Guys, you got to start pushing this. No one was. I was like, well, if no one else is doing this, I'll go on Craigslist and send whatever email I feel like I need to off the company servers. And then, <laughs> and I started booking all these appointments. Like, what are you doing? I was like, sending whatever kind of email I need to. And I was they're like, they're like, just get them in, get them in. They're like, don't worry if they're, don't qualify them. Just get them in. And we'll, and I, I just started booking, boom, boom, boom. You know, just going off of random people trying to sell their car off of Craigslist. And so, yeah, like, to what what you're saying is just being persistent, thinking outside the box, um, yep. you know, using the data, not living and dying by the data, but using the data to kind of, you know, give you that extra edge to see what's working, that kind of stuff. So I think that's all super good. That's all super great examples. All right. Well, I think my phone's about to die. So this okay. might be a good time to. Yeah, no, it was perfect timing. It's eight o'clock. Yeah. We're wrapping up anyway. So all um, right. see, even your phone is consistent. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much. It's been great having you on. I look forward right. to, to hanging out with you more in the future. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, man. All right, have a good night. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did uh, recording it. And yeah, so anyways, uh, reach out to Nick and tell him, hey, and tell him how awesome he is. Um, fun fact about Nick, he actually has, I don't know if he's still doing this actually, but he actually has a little side I don't know if you call it a project or just an Instagram page or what called the butt rub club. And the butt rub club is, well, it's, 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 it's about rubbing butts, but not, not, not the way it sounds. It's actually about, I remember the first time I got the, the notification that I'd been invited to like butt rub club. I thought it was like one of those like spammy porn things, but then I realized it was uh, Nick's Instagram account and it's all about, um, well, the butts are pig butts, and the rubbing is rubbing of delicious seasoning on them. So i got to follow up with him, see if he's still doing that or not. But that's just a little fun fact about Nick. He's a little crazy like that. But as you can tell from listening, he's an awesome guy. So uh, join the Entrepreneur Roundtable and tag him, 
and uh, tell him thank you for that episode. Next week, you guys don't want to, or just the next episode, because for most of you, it's already available. The next episode, I'll be talking to another friend from this roundtable, and I will, I won't tell you his name. It'll be a secret. But he runs his own company, uh, or a social media marketing agency, or social agency i can't remember now i get always confused with those as, as far as what they should be called but he owns his own agency marketing agency and we actually i mean we didn't really spend the conversation talking about social media um we dove into i i was trying something out with the episode uh, going into this i really want it to be different than just i sit down and interview someone about um, their life story or even going into a, a topical thing, which I will do those from time to time, like the, the chatbot one where we specifically talked about chatbots and how you can use those. I will have those, but overall, I really want to honor the roundtable part of Entrepreneur Roundtable podcast and kind of just like we're sitting around a table. I, I told, um, it, okay, it's, it's Todd. I told Todd as I was sitting down um, before we started the episode, hey man, I, I'm kind of experimenting with the format and what I kind of want to do is imagine like we went out for coffee and you're the more experienced entrepreneur and I'm I'm just getting this you know photography business started and I'm picking your brain and I'm asking you questions. So most of our conversation was actually about systems and working having employees and and um, office space versus co-working versus working at home. Just kind of like nitty gritty stuff about running a business. So you're not gonna want to miss that. That is next week. So. It's going to be good. All right, guys. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, uh, maybe hit subscribe if you're enjoying this. If you've checked out the first few episodes, you're like, yeah, this isn't too bad. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you can, you know, keep on listening. Until next time, I'm Jared Elrod of Missions Photo, and this is the Entrepreneur's Roundtable Podcast.